Welcome to Keeping Up With Data. Keeping Up With Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures and successes. So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're going to be doing a lot of events with them this year. A lot of our events, money will be going towards them. And they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. So if you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast. And you'll be seeing a lot more information about Black Dog over the next year. So here we are again with another episode of Keeping Up With Data. As always, Keeping Up With Data is to keep our community informed as to what is going on in the market. Um, today, we are blessed with the presence of Cadu. I don't need to do the introduction. So I'll let Kado introduce himself. Yeah. Thanks for having me here, guys. Uh, it's really a pa- pleasure for me um, being here and, uh, you know, let's have some fun during this, <laughs> this podcast. I think that's the, the hope. Um, and yeah, my name is Kado Anastasio. I've been in IT. Um, I don't like to say this because it looks like I'm old, but I'm not <laughs> too old. You know, I've been in IT for 27 years. Uh, but I think the, the flip side is I, I started before uni, um, with 17 years old, but I have some photos of, you know, myself with 10 years old programming and, you know, playing with computers and all this stuff. So I think I can say it's, it's nature. Um, yeah, I've been in, uh, IT for 27 years. Um, more recently, you know, the last 18 years, not too recent, but, <laughs> uh, 18 years working with data solutions, some sort of data solutions. I think at the beginning, um, it was pretty simple, you know, not like today, you know, we had used to have, you know, applications and databases and that's it, mm-hmm. nothing else. So I started with, you know, database development, you know, supporting application development, uh, and I started jumping through data because I got passionate about data and, uh, you know, BI, um, I'm a Microsoft guy. So I started, you know, exploring the, the SQL server surroundings, you know, tools like analysis services, integration services, reporting services, uh, in this BI world, um, in the last eight years, I've been into more modern data stack, you know, cloud type of, uh, stack. Um, and now all this, you know, AI conversations, you know, we are looking to how can we bring AI to the data platform, integrate AI tools and, uh, on the machine learning side, I know there's someone here very into machine learning. Um, and, uh, we've been talking about mainly not developing models. I will explain about this infinity and how we, um, um, do machine learning, but Essentially, the machine learning engineers and data scientists are not part of the technical team. They are actuaries, hmm. specialized in machine learning. So our responsibility as data team is to provide the platform. So it's mainly the ML, ML ops side of things. So this is all, uh, another thing we are, you know, exploring and POCing yeah. um, to, to, yeah, bring to the company. There's a lot, lot of talk about the AI at the moment that oh, yeah. nearly every second business that we're speaking about at the minute is AI, AI, AI. So we'll... Definitely unpack a little bit around the AI. I suppose one of the main things that we were keen to get around today was talking about your journey to Australia. Because when we had met a couple of weeks back for a coffee, I was astounded to say the least about the fact you'd no English coming into Australia. You ran a business in Brazil and then decided to pack everything up and here you are in Australia. So 
I suppose for the listeners out there, it would be good to understand your journey, challenges, and the trip to Australia, and how you're now head of engineering at Finity from coming over with not much to go from. Big change, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a bit of story. I mean, uh, migration is not easy. I think many of us uh, know uh, this. And um, yeah, I, I was in Brazil like six years ago when I kind of moved to Australia. The decision was made um, seven years ago. My wife and myself, we were in a situation where, you know, we were, we were running our own, own company. Um, Doing great, uh, still a small company, 15 people, but you know, doing great. Uh, contracts, um, you know, signed off. Any new opportunity would be a growth. So the company was in pretty, pretty good shape. Um, was it a tech company or what, what was the type? Yeah, we used to sell data solutions and software development, custom software development. So yeah. consulting almost in a sense. Yeah, professional services yeah. and this kind of things. We used to do more internal work, you know, like get requirements from clients and do the internal work and deliver. So I was the one, um, you know, getting requirements, uh, formulating, planning the solution and making sure we deliver mm -hmm. what uh, was agreed and expected. So, yeah, at that time when my wife and myself, we were talking about life and, you know, we said, let's start having kids. Um, and Brazil wasn't in a good situation. I think maybe it's even worse right now. Um, and we said, yeah, let's do it in a, in a better place. Uh, it was hard decision because, you know, we were doing great, you know, in a good position, good situation, company going well, but family, you know, mm. um, was more important. Uh, so we decided to, to move it. Actually, we decided to do it in, in a better place, but still didn't know where we should go to. So we started, you know, researching Canada, Ireland. Um, shout out to all the Irish listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and New Zealand. No, it wasn't uh, one oh. of our options at the time, but we didn't know New Zealand so yeah. well. Maybe it could be an option. I think nowadays I would consider New Zealand. <laughs> um, but yeah, we did a bit of research. You know, YouTube was our, you know, evenings all the time, you know, watching videos about all these countries and how people, you know, used to, you know, especially Brazilians, you know, moving to these countries, how, how they did uh, all these yeah. uh, things on journeys and um and we decided in Australia. Um, I think the main reasons were work-life balance, um, um, climate, you know, the weather is quite similar to, to Brazil. You know, we have, uh, Brazil is quite different. We have two seasons, hot and hell hot. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, especially in the city I used to live, you know, like it's, it's a lot hot. You know, 40 degrees, it's like standard. <laughs> Which city were you in? Uh, the name is called, it's called Ribeirão Preto. Translating, uh, it's small black river. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a lot hot there. You know, I can handle <laughs> that. I struggle on forty yeah. degrees in Sydney. So. Yeah, yeah. Our winters used to be like you know, fifteen degrees. You know, was the the, the the minimal you know in the winter. Yeah, um, yeah. So coming across to Australia, then where where was your starter point? So you had made the decision, right? Australia is the one. We've watched the videos. We want to go ahead with Australia. So you pack up the business book your flight to Australia, day one, you land on Australia, obviously going from running a business to coming into a country with little to no English <laughs> and then deciding, right, how am I going to get myself yeah, out yeah. there? So there's so much to unpack around networking with people. The tech industry in Australia is obviously very small. How did you go about getting yourself yeah. a good name? So I suppose to start, 
coming into Australia, you've arrived, you're thinking about roadmap plan, right? I want to get myself into the tech field. H how did you go about it from yeah. learning English, getting into mm. the workforce? Fill yeah. us in. A, a lot happened before we, you know, buy tickets, you know, fly tickets. Uh, we, I'm not very into networking. Um, uh, I have a spreadsheet until today. And I spoke with more than 200 people. Before you dance? Yes. Wow. wow. My LinkedIn was like, LinkedIn was sending me messages. Of, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I spoke with literally more than 200 people. You know, I started with Brazilians working in technology and data. I started pinging one by one and say, oh, I'm moving to Australia. I'm planning to move and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Copy and paste, copy and paste. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, uh, there wasn't a chat GPT at that time, so I wrote the text by myself. So yeah. It. Um, but yeah, I, when I arrived in Australia, I had something like 20 coffees booked. <laughs> and I started talking to people and, you know, having all these coffees and with Brazilians initially because of, you know, uh, English skills. I came with, you know, very, very poor English um, skills. And um, I think I'm still working this out um, and uh, in the first coffee um, the guy said no 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 just stop everything you come work with me you know because I was in a situation where um, money wasn't the problem like I wasn't looking for you know a good salary at all I was just you know planning to get into the market actually my, my initial plan was you know take three months of you know sabbatical period and just travel around and you know Second week, I was <laughs> <laughs> straight into it. So, yeah, definitely not. Uh, couldn't make it work. But, uh, yeah, it was good. The other side, you know, flip side was good because um, this guy saw someone with 21 years of experience open mm. to any salary, mm. you know, with poor English skills, but his skills, but he was a Brazilian guy. Mm. So he just said, I'll, you know, make him my rent, uh, uh, right arm, you know, like I just started helping him, you know, he was going uh, to all meetings with him, with me, sorry, and, um, um, you know, I could understand 30% of what was said, and he <laughs> like, okay, that's what we need to do. <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, but it was great for me because I was kind of inserted into a, you know, a job and mm. market and culture and, you know, language and all this uh, I think I learned by force, you know. Sounds like you took a punt on you as well. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. Because a lot of the time, like, I, I suppose, like, immigration and stuff is quite hard at the moment, even if you have work rights and you have English. Like, you yeah. obviously made an impression without having to speak English and, you know, it's great. Yeah. To kind of ties into that all, the whole, like, overqualified situation in a yeah. sense where there's a lot of conversation around now it's like obviously with all the redundancies in the market people yeah. maybe senior engineers or data engineer managers want to get back onto the tools so it kind yeah. of comes back to that piece like overqualification is not really overqualification if someone can actually yeah. do what you're looking to do um mm. you know, it's an interesting and the driving factors as well like for you you're like i don't care like, I'm not looking for career progression. I just want to get a foot in the door and, like, exactly. get across everything so that I understand. Yeah. 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 Who, who was that business that you first joined when you came to Australia? Uh, the original name was BICG, and they changed it to Air Australia. I think right now they are more in recruiting than, than providing solutions. Yeah, yeah. they kind of swapped, uh, switched, you know, from, from yeah. Yeah. Um, what, so, what would you say would be your biggest, be the biggest challenge, like, to listeners who are 
maybe if they're in Brazil, for example, thinking of coming to Australia or even anyone for that matter, because we deal with a lot of people ourselves who would maybe reach out to us prior to coming yeah. to Australia saying, I'm going to be looking for a job. And obviously as recruitment consultants, we find it difficult, not find it difficult, but uh-huh. placing people who are on visas is a bit difficult for us as recruiters because companies want the visa side of things. So that was a whole another headache that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose coming back to next steps in terms of where you were going after the visa, getting everything sorted, yep. you got your job. How did you navigate around the market to say, right, I've joined the role where maybe I'm not at the pinnacle of my career when I've maybe you felt that way in Brazil, for example, having a yep. business. Mm. How did you grow up through the ranks in Australia and with the English barrier, how like give advice to people around where to go and where to start? Yeah, it is hard and it is a reality for most of Brazilian people. Why? Most of Brazilian people don't speak English. Mm-hmm. If you walk on the streets, maybe Sao Paulo and big cities in Brazil, maybe you'll find more people who can speak English with you. But if you go to a smaller city and you try to communicate, you'll be definitely, you know, to use sign languages, so it's really, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's really a reality, you know, and that's a shame because we have extremely good professionals and mm. professional, you know, professionals uh, in Brazil. And I've seen lots of them coming to Australia with no English at all. And, you know, extremely good, you know, technically, you know, good people. Um, and that's even makes me think, you know, how can we make use of this? you know, Using in a good sense, of course, you know, for both sides, you know, how can we help these people, you know, going through these challenges? And I think that's essentially your question. Yeah. You know? uh, I think uh, um, being inserted in uh, in a role that you know you you are into, you know, meetings and things like that is important. But if you don't have the language, you know, you need to have someone to to mentor you. Mm-hmm. So maybe mentorship is the way, and that's what, exactly what happened with me. You know, mm-hmm. someone with the same background. Um, who can help, you know, and uh, um, have this person as, you know, uh, uh, an assistant or, you know, someone to help mm. uh, to deliver his or her on, on job, you know, uh, maybe it's it's a way, mm. um, but it's hard, you know, companies probably are not willing to do so, um, but it can maybe become an option, you know, if we are short on resources, which is probably not the case nowadays, you know, mm. I know markets, it's quite tough for you know who uh, you know the workers side um but yeah mentoring is maybe a way i think the way i sorted this out was exactly this because i had someone to support me during this journey at the beginning especially and when i felt more comfortable with the language i think i started you know um doing i think by myself i jumped you know to another client where this guy wasn't you know there uh, and i just the, the job, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, you were also proactive. Like, how many meetings did you say? 20 coffee meetings as soon as you landed. Like, yeah. you've got to do that, especially, like, in a market like this where it is highly competitive, especially mm-hmm. now, but even more so than maybe as well for you. Like, people don't use that tool as much. So, yeah, it's pretty much. So, I take yeah. it your, your 20 meetings, you had your first one, you got your job, and then no more meetings. I've <laughs> got a, a falling sign on the back here. Um, so I take it you cancelled the other 19 meetings after you got the job or did you still go ahead with that one? No, no, no. I had the meetings, of course, um, because, you know, my, my intention was mainly, you know, build the network. Yeah. You know, and, and I've been doing this, uh, I think. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, when we start talking about mentoring and, and all this, I think I have a lot to 
teach, you know, about this. I, I've been mentoring people since I arrived here. Mm. So it's fair to say if anyone from Brazil or anywhere else in the world is happy looking for a, for a mentor into the technical field, we've got yeah. no better man to... I've been receiving calls every week from people who need help and talking <laughs> to them and uh, helping them with, you know, how to, to proceed in an interview, you know. How you talk to, to recruiters is mm. one way. Yeah. You talk to HR is another way. Mm. You talk to a technical person, a technical review, it should be a different, different way. Yeah. And when you have the final round with a C-level or you know, someone uh, in a higher uh, 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 level, uh, it, it's important, you know, mm. you tick the boxes, you know, like what uh, HR or you guys wanna hear is maybe technical stack, what kind of experience, you know, mm. what are the wins, uh, you know, achievements, uh, uh, maybe someone on the technical side we 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 need to explore a little bit deeper, you know, the technology and how that, uh, how deep you 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 know that technology mm -hmm. and uh, maybe uh, team management is something you know the the person can ask more questions on the technical side or maybe go through all the things you know technical and non-technical. Mm -hmm. in, in the non-technical space, there's a lot. Yeah. That mentorship piece is definitely becoming a lot more out there at the moment, isn't it? Where everyone is not everybody, but people looking to unlock their true potential shall we say is speaking to yeah. people who can help yeah. and advise so i think it's very self-fulfilling as well at the same time to say like i've helped this guy someone's coming to me yep yeah knowing that i can help them and actually giving them back knowledge that mm -hmm. could potentially yeah make or break their career in australia yep. i suppose dabbling into the tech side of things so finity consulting you're head of engineering in there yeah you do a lot of internal solutions fill us in on what's going on and AI and the whole talks, give us a, an overview as to what you guys are yep. up to in there at the moment. Yeah, Affinity, uh, let me first explain about the company. Affinity is an actuarian consultancy, so it's not technical mm -hmm. consultancy at all. So for the first time, actually it is second time, but I say first time because this, the first one was a pretty short period of time. But for the first time, I'm uh, dealing with internal clients only, uh, which is quite quite easy, you know, like, I mean, uh, easier than the consultancy, you know, because consultancy need to jump through different clients all the time. Mm. You need to understand new technologies. Uh, you need to build relationships in every single client you go. It's yeah. like, you know, a different story you need to tell and you need to build every time. Working with internal clients, is, uh, it's uh, easier in a sense because, you know, you deal with the same people. Everyone is on the same boat, you know, and help each other. I think there is this positive side of things. Um, which is uh, amazing. Um, um, another thing that's extremely good and I, I'm enjoying a lot is we can go deeper and deeper on the technology stack we use. Mm -hmm. um, we are making the best use of you know the technical stack we use, which is is no flake uh, as a data warehouse. We use uh, Azure Cloud, AWS Cloud too, um, and we are finding ways to explore more and more. You know the, the technical stack we 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 have. We don't need to you know stretch our, our arms all the time and try to find new technology, you know, if what we need. So that's been a good as exercise for me. Um, and uh, I believe the main challenges and, and, and achievements uh, um, we've got since I joined the company was, uh, I believe the company was uh, mainly on a more use case based, um, you know, type of delivery, you know, like the team was requested to deliver some sort of use case and they focus on this, deliver, that's it. Mm -hmm. Next one, you know, requirements, uh, solution, delivery, mm -hmm. uh, maintenance and, and so on. Uh, when I joined, I brought some more enterprise view, you know, 
for the team. And we started, okay, like we have all these use cases here and there, but you know, we need to build a data platform. We need to standardize things. We need to reuse things. We need to have a center of, you know, everything we do so we can uh, enhance this. And all the use cases needs to fit to this definition. It's not, mm. you know, every single use case needs to, you know, do, uh, we need to do whatever is needed to deliver, you know, the use case, but, you know, we need to define what's the best for the mm. company, you know, and adjust the use cases to, to fit this. And of course, the definitions, uh, definition of what's the best for the company comes from the use case, you know, so it's a, it's a balance you need to keep between, you know, standardizing things, reusing things. So um, first thing we've done was, you know, redeploy the pl data platform from the scratch using infrastructure as code, Terraform. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, we have all Azure resources deployed via Terraform. We can create environments and destroy environments quite easily, uh, which is benefit, you know, uh, disaster recovery, you know, can recover from disaster, which is a lot, uh, and being a lot, you know, on the, the, the highlights, um, you know, breaches and, and all these things. Yeah. So we can quite quickly recover from a disaster if, uh, you know, something like this happens. Mm -hmm. um, so this was the first step. Secondly, we um, started creating frameworks and uh, that's, you know, <laughs> if there is a word that defines myself is like frameworks. I, <laughs> everything I do twice, the second time will be automation um, because yeah, the third time you don't need to spend all the time again. Uh, I, I'm strongly believing automation is key for everything and AI and all these things we are seeing on you know, ChatGPT is all about automation, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, things we usually do where now there is a tool that can do for us, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we are leveraging all these AI tools just to do things we do, we can, mm -hmm. you know, we are capable of doing this, but, you know, it's faster if you use a tool like this. So yeah, we started building frameworks. Our ingestion framework is one example. That's the first one we, we built. Um, because when I joined the company, I saw people you know, writing code to ingest data. And I said, no, 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 no. No one will write a line of code anymore to ingest any data here in this company. And we built the ingestion framework. And now people just need to configure things, you know, mm. JSON file and you just, okay, that's the file format. That's in the, my columns, data types. Um, this is the destination database, table, whatever. Mm. Um, and you drop the file in a certain location, everything happens automatically. You know, table is created, database is created if needed. And, you know, you just configure things. How much time would it concept. save? Surely That's a lot. Question. Like, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's hard to measure because you don't know how much time people are spending doing this and are still spending. But and that's, I think, the main challenge, you know, um, I'll answer your question, but I'll, I'll explain something that I think will help uh, contextualizing. Um, Finity, by nature, is a company that deals with data. Like every single person in the company receives data from clients, from public sources. We subscribe, you know, for data. We buy data. We create data as part of, you know, machine learning processes, uh, simple transformation, data transformation processes. Mm -hmm. um, and we store data and we give data back to our clients, sometimes in form of data, sometimes in form of reports, uh, which, you know, aggregates a little bit of, you know, interpretation and, you know, AI will definitely help um, mm -hmm. soon. Um, and uh, we have, and we have had, you know, user cases like this all the time. Mm. Even before the data team was there, like, you know, being there. Um, 
so the data team has three and a half years only. I joined one year and four months ago. Yeah. So imagine how many use cases, you know, are out there, you know, within the company we are not exploring and we didn't bring. So your question, I think it's, it's a lot wide. You know, if you think about the use cases we brought, we are saving definitely a lot of money. Mm. And it's not only about saving uh, money and time from these people, but standardizing. You know, every single piece of data we ingest, we have traceability. We know for every single row stored in the data warehouse, what was the file? And we have this file stored in a, you know, archival storage account, mm. which has the minimum cost possible cost, you know, of storage. So we have all the data. If we destroy our data warehouse, we can rebuild the data warehouse from archive. So all these things are, you know, benefits we get out of the ingestion framework. Mm. And this is one framework we built. And we built this framework in couple of weeks time, you know, because I love the kind of agile slash lean concept mm. where you define the minimum valuable product and you deliver this and they will interact with your clients, even mm. internal clients in this case, um, to, to build the product together. You know, you bring these guys through this journey and this is really powerful, you know, and yeah. it's not data team building something, it's, you know, company's product and people feel like valued you know and they they contribute more they use it help us uh, you know by, uh, by sharing this information across the, the other mm -hmm. stakeholders so since i joined the team doubled its size from two to four it's a small team yeah mm -hmm. and i would say the four people are delivering uh, corresponding to six <laughs> you know we deliver a lot uh, because of all this you know reusability and and yeah. things we we do uh, the number of use cases you know we are uh, dealing with increased a lot. Mm. I've been very commercial, you know, because I came from consultancy. So I don't see internal people as just staff members, but I see them as clients. Yeah. Mm. So we need to keep level of, level of satisfaction. We need to make them happy. We need to sell ideas. We need to, you know, work together. Towards... That would be another bit of a voice maybe that you could give yeah. people coming into Australia to kind of shall we say, put your fingers in as many pies as possible to get into a consulting role where, boy, you're not just fixed on one company, one product, you can network while working in a sense. You can yep. still mm. get your fingers in finance, in technical areas, development, product building, banking, wh wherever it may be. You can have that scope when you come in to a country, for example, to not just focus on a product building company, but mm -hmm. for a first role, maybe get into consultancy, you can spread your wings and fly in a sense. Yeah, like how would that have affected your career if you hadn't been in consulting? Because like that would have given you such a breadth of clients and problems and then now you're kind of consulting still but internally, yeah. really. So yeah. how's There's that? There's a stigma around yeah. consulting. Isn't there a little bit where people are Yeah, that's don't where going for that yeah. question because I'm like everyone's like, oh, no, consulting doesn't pay enough and no, 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 but it does have the variety and it has the problems but, you know, it's a catch-22 there because you don't get paid for what you do, blah, blah, blah. But, like, what's the upside, I suppose, to consulting is what I'm trying to ask. Or maybe the pain points. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I want know. to answer, I think, uh, this question and another one. Please help me remembering. Uh, you said consulting doesn't pay enough. Yeah. I want to talk about this soon. Okay. <laughs> um, look, uh, uh, I believe when you work in consulting, you learn more than than mm. just work internally why because the the you know how you need to adapt you know uh, across different situations you know it, it makes you leave the comfort zone more frequently 
And by consequence, you learn more. You need to learn more yeah. because you need to deliver. Uh, every single client, you have new tech stack. You have new tools you need to learn. So this makes you study more and learn more. Um, every single client, you need to know the people. You need to build relationships, you know, and uh, it's it's a lot, you know. And um, being in consultancy for 26 years, you know, I can say I passed through all industries I can imagine, you know, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. If you start talking about the industries here, I will say, oh, yeah, I had a client. I can tell you a story about this, mm. you know. Um, been there, done that, been there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you learn the businesses. You learn how to, to make relationships. You learn, learn how to sell things. Uh, one example is one of my clients in the financial um, space. Uh, when I was uh, in my previous company, uh, I took six months to sell an idea. We had a team of 35 people from the consultants allocated in, in this client. Mm -hmm. And the, the project was restructuring the data platform. Uh, I love breaking stuff and rebuilding. Um, so it took me six months to sell the idea and convince the client you know, the solution I was proposing was the best one for them. Nowadays, I talk to people uh, you know, still working there and they say, oh, it's, it's amazing. What, what you know? It was a game changer for us. Mm. And uh, maybe this is another thing we can talk about. You know, the way we've built this data platform is something, you know, if you guys remember to raise this question, maybe, you know, we can, we can talk about it. But, um, uh, it, yeah, like, you know, it, this sales skills, you know, you mm. wouldn't have maybe exercised all this mm. being in an internal position because, you know, yeah, it's different. So uh, I still think, you know, positions um, or jobs where you deal with internal people you you also grow in another way you know uh of course it's important um uh, but you know being exposed to consultancy and being consultants for a while i think it, it, it's it's valuable you know it teaches you a lot sure and what about the question of the money the money um like any company in the world wants to make money um so any company you are working for in especially consultancy. Um, when you find ways to bring money to the company, you will earn proportionally. So mm. what I'm saying is um, there is a moment in anyone's career, you know, especially technical people, where you start with technical stuff only and you develop your technical skills. And there is a moment where you start going through some non-technical stuff, like you know, team management, um, building relationships, uh, mentoring people, uh, there's you know, many things. Um, and there is another moment where you need to decide upon stay on the technical mm -hmm. path, you know, in being a very, very good technical, you know, resource and, and, and a person, um, or are going to a more commercial side mm -hmm. of things. When you go to a more commercial side of things, you impact more on the revenue generation. Yeah. And depending all on the level you impact, you know, on the revenue generation is the level will be you know it will be Rewarded. paid yeah <laughs> uh so yeah so it's worth the sacrifice to get paid leases at the start if you want to get the variety get the problems to solve learn quickly and in turn expect that you'll get paid for what you deliver on value essentially yeah 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 but of course it takes some time yeah. you know you need to go through the technical i strongly believe you know leaders should not should, but I, I like leaders who came from the ground mm. because 
you'll be, you know, closer to the team. The team will even look at you in a different way, you know, like he, he or she passed the fruits, the same things I'm passing yeah. here now. My, my, yeah, yeah, he suffered too. I'm, I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, it's important. And, 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 you know, this non-technical still starts, you know, emerging and you need to learn this. And the commercial side of things is, is something, you know, where, where the money sits, um, you know, bringing money will make you yeah, when, it's one of those things where you can kind of make it your own in a sense. Obviously, you've been hired in for the technical piece and you're able to deliver what is needed, but it's kind of a world is your oyster type thing. If you can bring like some technical people, you obviously hear the stereotypes of the software engineers mm -hmm. who sit in a dark room and just love the program. Mm -hmm. That's those guys and that's what yep. they're good at. But then you've got the other guys who are mm -hmm. kind of, as you said, you're at that point where you've got technical commercial. But if you can amalgamate that into your career before you reach that point and kind of be touching in on the sales element to yeah. your consultant aspect as well it can definitely like open a whole new kind of worms to be able to bring in business for a consultancy while you're maybe a junior mid or even senior is definitely yeah. going to add substance to what you're able to do also yeah. like i feel like putting yourself out there and um pushing your comfort zone is what you've touched on as a theme a lot in this because of your journey but also in consulting and i feel like that requires you to do that a lot in consulting right like build relationships people don't know who you are until you like try yep. and meet them and yep. all that kind of stuff so that's like i feel like quite an underrated skill and maybe one that people don't like so they use yeah. it as an excuse personal yeah. brand i think it's yeah. key yeah key for sure. things, you know like if i can give a piece of advice for you know who's uh, listening to, to this podcast is you know build their personal brand you know mm -hmm. there are many techniques you can use you know ChatGPT will tell you <laughs> don't um, don't use ChatGPT for all your linkedin posts for those people who do your ChatGPT <laughs> linkedin posts it's very evidential or at least put your flavor yeah, you know throw, throw oh, yeah, yeah don't purely copy and paste type in your your context and then maybe yeah. a bit of modification but there's some that are yeah yeah chat gpt yeah. things it's quite funny but yeah you're right but personal brand is it's important yeah. isn't it? how you position yourself you know what i'm saying here is something i've been saying my entire life to yeah. people i work with you know all levels you know up and down but I, I really think junior people if they want to do so they are willing to go to this more commercial side you know they can start exercising all these skills mm. since the beginning you know like uh, leadership building relationships uh so I've been, you know, all the time within my teams, you know, like uh, uh, kind of calling attention to this, you know, saying, guys, you know, uh, th these guys are clients, you know, you can't just, you know, be upset all the time with them. You need to be, you know, like, um, you know, make, you know, the, 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 all the conversations, you know, comfortable to, mm -hmm. to them, you know, they are clients, you know. Um, yeah, and I think all this... Um, comes to yeah how you position yourself and what you want to be seen by by other people mm -hmm. you know within the company and you know partners suppliers and clients um, yeah. i get the feeling from the conversations we've had not just today but prior to this that you're as you mentioned throughout the podcast people can resonate with someone who's been on the field who's progressed up yep. they can see that you've been through the battles you understand that from not just i'm a director this is what you need to do it's more Yep. I've been through this, I've seen every industry, I've done this. I get that feeling that mm. you do really have that yep. genuine concern and I suppose will and want to develop young people and see there's there's someone maybe I'm looking at. Yep. You said 27 years, you're in tech, maybe you're looking back, there's an old old me that could have needed a push. So I definitely get that vibe from you that you yeah. like to develop people's career 
from that consultant piece. And, and there's something yeah. very powerful when, when you talk about, you know, teaching or mentoring your team and, you know, developing these skills, which is, you know, sometimes you need to give space, liberty, you know, and we talk about, you know, all this accountability, ownership, the conversation, you know, where, uh, and stop micromanaging, you know, where you assign something to a team member and say, this is yours, you own this. It's not you supporting me, it's I'm here to support you, you know. Mm. When you invert the, the, the kind of, you know, conversation and say you own this, mm. you know, it's your responsibility, I'm here to help. And you even give space to the person to make mistakes mm. because mistakes are important, yeah. mm. uh, you know. I, I, I think this is really powerful, you know, and we can use this, uh, of course, under control, you know, not just leaving the boat, <laughs> you know, um, uh, um, with, you know, ungoverned, but, um, you know, creating the right checkpoints, but it's important that, you know, how to delegate, mm. you know, providing and giving ownership, uh, you know, accountability is extremely important, but you need to create the checkpoints, you know, at least, I don't know, I think everyone here can define what's the right frequency, but you can define weekly, daily, fortnightly, monthly, yearly, yeah. <laughs> uh, catch-ups to understand, you know, well, like, show me what you've been, you've been doing and uh, how is this going? Do we need mm -hmm. something, uh, you know, type of conversation? Uh, and making sure the person is on the track and, you know, giving some advice and that's it. But it's, it's a few yours, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, two points uh, I'd like to highlight on this front is our uh, first, Never say I did something. You know, you always need to say we, we've done this, you know, because yeah. even when I'm talking on behalf of the team, you know, the team did a great job. These guys are amazing. It's not mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Um, and um, oh, I forgot the second one. Um, it's funny you say that because we say the opposite when you're interviewing, you should say I, but I know what you mean because obviously like if you're talking about a collective group, you don't want to just look like that guy that's like, I'm the, the best in the team, you yeah. know, I've delivered this and that. Yeah, the focus is different. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Building a team is something yeah. and selling yourself is another thing. Yeah. It creates yeah. that togetherness, doesn't it? It's like if if I was a developer and I'd create a lovely piece of work and then my manager saying, oh, I did this. It's like, no, we did this. It yeah. That sense of belonging to the team as well. Yeah. Which is definitely very important. What about your, um? while well, you're thinking of your second point, uh, if you, if you can remember, it might have escaped <laughs> you now. But what about like, I suppose for people who might be listening that are like really inspired, which I'm sure they are, and they're like, all right, I wish I could work Finity underneath Kadu. What do you think they would be walking into with you as a leader and like maybe top three or four things that you stand for when you're leading teams? Um, the why we should work for you, Are you talking about, you know, the skills I'm looking for people who are trying to sell myself as a manager. I feel like it's just more of a holistic view from both angles, really. Mm -hmm. Like if you as yeah. a person, you were obviously being a manager in Infinity, but you as a yeah. person as well. And then if people are joining your team. Yeah, yeah. I believe the first point, which actually pay, plays both sides is, you know, I like to see the team as a family um, and I don't restraint, you know, my, my, you know, conversations to these guys, um, to the, the purely professional, mm. you know, uh, uh, subjects and, you know, and things, because, uh, I'm really concerned about, you know, when they say I'm sick, um, and it's, this is even funny, you know, because 
in Brazil, it's, it's very different. You know, when you say I'm sick, people will try to understand what's happening. And here, sometimes you need to be, you know, cautious yeah. because if you ask too much, maybe you're, yeah. you know, uh, making yeah. some pressure yeah. on, on, on the side and the person just wants some time. And, yeah. you know, but I, I really try to, to show my concerns you know, around the personal side. Um, and I really try to help, you know. Um, something I really like to do is, you know, like uh, invite, uh, you know, the team to beer after work. Uh, uh, sometimes we go for lunch and we just book the rest of the day. You know, I just put in the calendar team building and invite everyone from the team. And that's I cool. block everyone's calendar. Let's have beers. And, you know, if you want to go home 3 p.m., that's okay. If you want to stay to 10 p.m. and talk about life, uh, let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I uh, create, you know, this, this family, you know, atmosphere. I think it's important, to, you know, um, keep in touch, you know, do one-on-one uh, sessions, you know, quite frequently. It's important. At the beginning, I usually do weekly, you know, one-on-one sessions to check, you know, polls. Um, uh, and again, these meetings are not supposed to be a work discussion. You know, it's not how is this project going, but how are you feeling? Yeah. You know, uh, it's it, when we start talking about what I, I, I'm the first one to say, no, 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 this is not a working meeting. It's you know about you. Um, and uh, uh, every single meeting, you know, I think we kind of force ourselves to you know share background, both sides, mm-hmm. share feedback. So yeah, both sides. Uh, so I like to hear from the person you know how how he or she is feeling and. Uh, also like to share feedbacks, you know, constructive, constructive feedbacks, of course, um, and, 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 and good stuff too, of course. Mm. Um, yeah, creating a family atmosphere. What else? Um, collaboration, um, and, you know, sense of, you know, help each other. You know, I think it's important when someone says I'm in trouble, you know, I'm the first one to jump in and, you know, try to help. Um, because um, I know how it's been in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not not easy. Sometimes you, you get stuck, and uh, maybe someone else just asking the right questions will, will, will you know, untie this this uh, you know problem and help uh, solving the problem. Um, and what I look um, when you know look for and when interviewing a candidate, uh, it's mainly um, learning. I think it's. For me, it's one of the most important things because you know no one knows everything, right. and if you are capable to learn, that's the key. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not only you know any type of learning. You know, because uh, there are people where you see, you know, for example, uh, I've, I've seen some people with lots of certifications, but you know they learn by the book. You know, you yeah. know, uh, reading something, going for a course, and uh, take note of the points and. You know, this is the type of question they were asking. They kind of learn the question, the answer, not the solution. You know, yeah. how and why, what happens behind the scenes, why this That's a you know a problem or you know a benefit. Um, so I think learning, independent learning, self-learning is is the best because you know, in the end, <laughs> you are the the first interested party in your you know upskill. Um, so yeah, I think learning is important, um, and collaboration, uh, as I mentioned, I love agile slash lean methodology. So, um, you know, uh, experimentation over documentation, uh, it's important. So it's better you define, you know, the minimum you can deliver and deliver as fast as you can and start interacting with your clients to, to build a better product. So uh, when you do this, collaboration is key. You mm. know, uh, I love a team member who, 
you know, externalize their thoughts. You know, oh, okay, just saw this and boom, and post. And, you know, I like to see the, 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 the team's channel really, you know, like uh, uh, busy because, you know, people are sharing uh, even ideas and, oh, I've done this, look at, look at the result, uh, you know, uh, what do you guys think? You know, we're pretty quick interactions like this are very powerful because maybe you change the course of a solution and uh, you you maybe, you know, want need to, to rebuild and refactor something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot we could unpack. I think we could talk all day. And this is kind of uh, something new, which is changing the way we do data engineering. So um, this client had, you know, very traditional environments, you know, where, you know, platform where you know have dev test prod type of thing yeah. they had you know few steps before dev which are were platform development you know you did you used to do uh, platform development you provision your resources and you start dev you know just purely engineering data engineering mm. um and you go you know through the environments as you uh, you know you advance in you know the the, the life cycle but what we've done to change completely this, and it was amazing, you know, to see the results was we defined the production environment as the only persistent environment. Mm -hmm. What it means is, is the only environment where we, where we keep things, you know, alive and stable and, you know, working, we retain data, mm -hmm. you know, this, um, at the client, we use, uh, used uh, Databricks as, you know, data platform, Lake House. Mm -hmm. Uh, all the other environments were transient. So what it means is, if I need to start a project, I clone the production environment. So clone is the key, I think, for, for all this strategy. Uh, Databricks, Snowflake, all these you know, uh, platforms provide cloning. And uh, some of them call it uh, shallow clone, some of them call zero-cop clone. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you, you, you essentially create another database, for example, exactly as production, but you don't copy any data. It's, it's literally zero copy. You just create the references, you know, the tables and views, the objects within your, your uh, data warehouse will be simply pointing to production. So by creating a clone like this, you have a fresh environment, you know, exactly as production with all data you need, perfectly, you know, function functional. Um, you know, we don't have that gaps, uh, so we need to maintain a lot of environment. Oh, my dev environment is a mess right now. Let's clean this up. You know, we just destroy, you know. Yeah. And you spin a clone like this, you do the work you need to do. You will spin another clone from production to deploy your solution using CI/CD because you shouldn't do anything manually, you know, for testing purpose and validation purpose. Um, when you finish this cycle where you develop something up to production, you just destroy all the environments and that's it. New life starts. Uh, this is a new concept. You know, you have one environment and satellites around yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this life environment. For data development especially, this is a you know, game changer um, because uh, I think the starting point is essentially you know, the data itself. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, you have many components around you know, the, the data warehouse or data lake, uh, like in orchestration, data quality, governance, etc. Mm -hmm. So you need to have these components configured properly to handle, you know, these different environments, like dynamically select the environment you want to yeah. use and handle. Um, but the rest is, you know, creating these clones. Uh, we call, even change the names of the environments. It's not dev test, uh, dev test prod anymore. Mm. It's sandbox validation live. Because in the end, 99% of the data is production data, you know, 
data engineering, it's rare, you know, the situations where you deal with data which is not production. Like there are some really huge organizations who, you know, used to obfuscate data, but most of the time, you know, on a real life, data engineers deal with production data all the time. Um, Are the people doing this? Like, is this kind of normal for other companies to be? I I think the vendors are pushing to you know uh, you know people to to use and companies to use more you know clones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think um, it's not too disseminated. You know, I think the companies are not uh, still not there. You know, using this properly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's a game changer. You know, imagine when you start something. You know, I, I lost count of you know how many times I started developing something in a sort of dev environment, but the, you know there was a production table that wasn't there. Um, the data was poor. Um, you know, when deploying to validation, the validation environment was totally different. You know, and people were used to test stuff, and everything was failing because you know the validation environment or test environment wasn't you know, properly yeah. um, set. So. All this is gone, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, <laughs> listening to the, this podcast will say, "Oh, this is literally a dream." Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's mm. good. So, I, lo- I love your descriptions. You give very good. Like you paint the picture very well. You yeah. Circle. Yeah. Story Story unlike myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Direct questioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was. Um, that's a good solution because I'd say so many people do get headaches. It's like, I've built that somewhere. I need to go find it a file. It's like, clone, clone. I've built something perfect. Yeah. Why? What did I say? Why? Yeah. what's not broken or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Why? it. Git first. You know, all your code will be Git. Mm. Environments you create and destroy. And you keep what's important, not the, the production environment. Smart. Okay. Genius. It sounds like a data thing to do. <laughs> Have backups. <laughs> Well, I think with that, we've got a, a wrap. Parting message. Anyone yeah, so have a parting thank message? Thank you very much, Kadu, for joining. If you've got a parting message you want to share with the network or if you've got anything at all, or other than that, we can wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, um, I saw, uh, I think, a video yesterday. It was yesterday. Um, the, oh, I don't remember his name exactly, but he's one of, one of, the, one of the founders of uh, OpenAI. Sam. The one oh, who is Greek? No, is it Greek? No, Greek. Ah, the one who is state. Oh. In, oh no. He was saying, you know, what, "What's the difference between people who you know win, you know, or you know uh, make, make success, you know, are successful people?" Um, and he said persistence, you know. Uh, and I think all this story we've spoken about here, you know, mm. coming to a different country where you don't know the language, you have a so different culture. Um, you don't have any network, you know, and even for us, you know, not having family support, it's yeah, hard. Yeah. Totally. You know, I have two kids, um, four years old, and the one, the, the youngest one will turn four months. Uh, my nights are not being uh, so so good as, as before. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but, you know, um, it, it's hard, you know, being away from family and, you know, not having the support. Uh, you could have, you know, being close to the family. Um, so it's not only on the professional life, personal life, you know, we need to persist. I think, uh, um, we won't reach what we, we plan if we, we don't persist, you know, uh, obstacles and, you know, we'll always be there and we just need to, you know, maybe we'll fail and we just need to keep trying. Yeah. That's, that's important. Yeah. That's a lovely message. The guru there himself. That's a yeah. message to end the, <laughs> the full circle is completed and yeah. that's a wrap. Thanks, Kadu. My pleasure. Good.